This morning, as we continue to make our way through Genesis, we will be in Genesis chapter 18. We'll back up a little and read a little bit that we read last week. We're going to look at verses 16 through 33. We're going to talk about the ministry of intercession. Before we read that, I want to ask you a few questions. And I want you to sort of answer them to yourself. This will be silent rhetorical. You can just think about these answers. The first question I want to ask you is, who are you? Who are you? If someone were to ask you on the street, who are you, you would most likely tell them your name. You'd tell them, I'd say, my name is Brad Williams. You might tell them where you're from. I'm from Albertville. That's sort of how we identify yourselves. Maybe if someone asked more about you, you would tell them what you did for a living. You might tell them who your children are, who your wife is, or whether or not you have one. One of the biggest problems we face, and I sincerely mean this, not just us, but the world, is that we don't actually know who we are. We try a lot to define ourselves, and a lot of times the definitions that we come up with for ourselves are not satisfactory. James says it like this, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. James 1, 23 through 24. And what James is telling us there, if we want to know who we are, we have to find it out through God's word. And everyone here and everyone in America is wondering who they are. And we're defining ourselves in a lot of different ways because individualism is absolute in our culture. We define ourselves as Poor. We might think of ourselves as poor people. Rich people might think of themselves as wealthy or rich. Think of ourselves as black, white, our ethnicities. Think of ourselves as American. Others think of themselves as uh, Mexican or wherever they're from. People self-identify as gay or straight. Republican makes up a lot of people's core identity. Conservative or liberal, Democrat, moderate. There are lots of different ways to describe ourselves, and some of those things I just mentioned, you might describe yourself that way. But listen to me, child of Abraham, in all the lists of the ways that you describe yourself, does intercessor ever cross your mind? Because all of the things that I just said, most of them, while important to defining who you are, where you came from, none of them are as important as intercessor. That is what you are. And if that seems like a surprise to you or that I'm overstating my case, it's because we don't really value that ministry. You are an intercessor. Now, you don't necessarily need to go around telling people that I'm an intercessor, but you need to know it and you need to feel it. Because as a child of Abraham, as someone who is his offspring, Your father says from his word that you are an intercessor. And it is more special that you are an intercessor than almost anything else you might name first. You have a blessing and power in being an intercessor. Abraham, as we will see today, was an intercessor. And you as his children, as inheritors of his name, you ascend to that role as well. So let's begin reading today in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33. And learn about the role of being an intercessor. 
Then the men set out from there, that is, the oaks of Mamre, where Abraham was living, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked? Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find fifty righteous in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak with the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again, he spoke to him, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. And the Lord answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten. I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. I want to ask you another question as we begin to do, to go through this passage. I want to ask you, why did God tell Abraham what he was about to do? Why did he tell Abraham about the coming judgment of Sodom? I want to point out something that we'll see a little bit later. You remember when Lot and his wife and his children were ordered to get up and get out of Sodom? A spoiler alert, there's not ten there. When they were ordered to get up and get out of Sodom, they were commanded to run and not look back. They were not to look upon the judgment that the Lord was about to bring on the city of Sodom, but Abraham was allowed to look. God said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And later on, Abraham looks out over the valley and he sees the smoking ruin of Sodom. He looks 
upon the judgment of the Lord. The Lord shared these things with Abraham. And the question to us should be, why? Why did he share this with Abraham? He tells us two reasons. Abraham shall surely become great and be a mighty nation. And all nations shall be blessed through him. First reason he tells him is because Abraham is supposed to be a blessing to the nations. The second reason, he says, is because Abraham is going to teach his children to keep my commands, to be righteous and do what is right. So Abraham had a role as both teacher and as a blessing. And when the Lord says that Abraham is going to be a blessing to the nations, it doesn't mean he's going to be a blessing by osmosis just by hanging around. He's going to be a blessing to the nations. Abraham is going to be an active blessing to the nations. And the way that he is going to be a blessing here to Sodom and Gomorrah is he intercedes for those people. The nations of Sodom and Gomorrah who are wicked and terrible. As the Lord says, if I find ten, I won't destroy the place and he couldn't find them. How will the nations be blessed through Abraham through his intercessory prayer? We are still being blessed because of the prayers of Abraham. The Bible says that every single prayer of the saint is still stored in the bowls of the angels before God. And they ever go before him. The prayers you make today make a difference in all of eternity. Because with every answer that God grants, things change. Things happen. Things change in the lives of people. The nations will be blessed through Abraham because not only is he an intercessor, but of course the Messiah will come through him. That is the foundations for all the blessings that come after him for certain. But the beauty of being an heir to the promises of Abraham is that all who love the Messiah are destined to become like the Messiah himself. We call this, in the fancy words, sanctification, being made holy. If you want to know what being made holy is, it means we're being made like Jesus. We're being made like God. And Jesus is the ultimate intercessor on behalf of mankind. We are called on as Abraham's children, as his sons and daughters, to be intercessors not only like Abraham, but like Abraham's greater son, Jesus Christ. God told Abraham what he was going to do because he wanted Abraham to intercede. He wanted Abraham to pray. He said, Lord, what if there's 50? What if there's 45? What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? That's what he called on Abraham to do. That's what he calls on his children to do. That's why I said earlier that the world will try to distract you with adjectives to describe yourself. But let it always be at the top of your list in your heart that you are Abraham's children, intercessors, and a blessing for the nations. So let's look and see what happened. Abraham is quite audacious in his intercession, I believe. God told Abraham what he was going to do and he didn't say anything else. But it was bothering Abraham. The two men departed and went down towards Sodom. And even though God didn't say, I'm going to destroy the place, Abraham knew what was on the Lord's mind. And he asks him about it. But I want you to notice a couple of things before we talk about Abraham's intercession. Look at verse 22. So the men turned from there and went down towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. I love that. Abraham stood before the Lord. We talked about today in Sunday school that the wicked will not stand 
before the judgment, that they cannot stand in the congregation of the righteous. But Abraham stood before the Lord. The king of glory and the maker of all things, he stands before him. And he is the only one filling the gap between destruction and salvation. And so, not only does he stand before the Lord, so he's standing before the Lord. Look at verse 23. Then Abraham drew near. Intercession is not done at a distance. It is up close and personal. And when he comes to intercede on behalf of Sodom, on behalf of Gomorrah, he draws near to the Lord. It is intimate. It is a partnership, so to speak. It is a friendship that God has with Abraham. He drew near to the Lord. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing for it to be written upon your tombstone? Brad stood before the Lord and drew near. That's good. That's what we're supposed to do as intercessors. Draw near to the Lord to stand before God on behalf of the people. Never forget that the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. A priesthood intercedes on behalf of others. For the nations. For the nations. The peoples. This is what we are called to do. And I love it here too that... The Bible says that God never revealed himself as the I am that I am to Abraham. He never tells him I'm Yahweh to Abraham. But the Bible says here that he drew near to Yahweh. See it in verse 22? See your capital L-O-R-D? That means the divine name of the Lord is there. God revealed himself to Abraham as God Almighty. But he reminds us here that he is the Lord. And the Lord is a covenant-keeping God. And part of the covenant is this. Draw near to me and make intercession for the people and I will do it. He will do it. And so Abraham doesn't just stand there. He draws near. He drew near. He drew near like one who might give counsel. Though the Lord does not need our counsel, he does allow us to come to him and talk to him about these things. An intimate friend. He knows how many hairs are on our heads. He knows everything that's going to happen in all eternity. He has known it forever. And yet he calls on us to draw near and to say what is on our mind. And Abraham does, quite boldly, comes before the throne of grace with great boldness, as we are taught later in the New Testament. So Abraham gives us an example here. He says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Why do you think he's talking like this? Twice he says, far be it from you, Lord. Far be it from you to do this thing. To sweep away the righteous with the wicked. Why is he talking like this? I'll tell you what I'd be thinking. Hey, my nephew's down there. He's got a wife and children. Are they going to be swept away with the rest of the wicked in Sodom? I wouldn't be surprised if Abraham wasn't doing some math in his head while he's interceding. Lot, his wife, his two girls. He has a couple other girls. All right, so if I can get him to 10, surely he can find two people there. Save this place on behalf of these righteous ones. I don't know exactly what's going on in Abraham's mind, but I know that that would be going on in my mind. And he keeps at it. Lord, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Surely, far be it from you. Far be it from you, Lord, to sweep away the righteous with the wicked. Will you not differentiate between them? 
Surely not everybody down there is wicked. Will you spare it for 50? Yes. And Abraham is a great negotiator. How about 45? It's like an auction. What about 40? What about 35? And then he gets really bold, and he goes from 30 to 20. He jumps 10. He's like, okay, I'm, this is working so far. 30. And he keeps it respectful. Lord, I'm dust and ashes. Please don't be mad at me. What will you do if it's 30? Lord, don't be upset with me. What about if it's 20? Lord, please don't be angry. I'll just talk to you one more time. What if there's 10 people down there? And every time the Lord says, for 20, I will spare. For 30, I will spare. For 10, I will spare the whole city. The Lord will not treat the righteous as the wicked. And so for us to learn from Abraham's example today, what can we learn? Are you persistent in your intercession? Are you bold before the throne of grace? The Bible says that we are to draw near to the throne of God to come boldly into his presence. It doesn't mean arrogantly. It means that when you talk to God, talk to him like you mean it. Lord, ask him questions, hard ones. Are you going to sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He could do that. Power of Siloam fell on people, and Jesus said, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It can happen. Righteous people die too. But here, something greater is going on. Lord, are you going to sweep away the righteous in judgment? And the Lord says, No, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I will spare this place for 10 people, Abraham. No matter how bad the outcry of their wickedness is, and we will learn that their wickedness is quite, quite great, I will spare it for 10 righteous souls. Do you stay after prayer like that? Are you interceding for others? Do you identify as an intercessor? Do you see that your job is important? That you ought to be praying and that you ought to be interceding on behalf of others? We are blessed to have the ministry of intercession. You should be praying for others because it matters. And the Lord will give you his ear. You can draw near to him and you can intercede for others. You can pray for your family. You can pray for others. You can pray for this country. You can pray for anything you want. You can talk to the Lord about it. And he will hear you and he will listen and he will act. That is more important than anything else I mentioned today. Your core identity as a Christian, as a child of Abraham, as a follower of Christ is I intercede as a blessing on behalf of the nations. Remember the Lord said that through Abraham all nations would be blessed? Do you spend your time blessing them? Our ministry is as intercessors. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 18, 7 through 8, Regarding the prayers of his saints. And will not God give justice to his elect? Who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. God is concerned to give the elect justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Luke 18, 7 through 8. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? Why would he tack that on at the end? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because he just said the elect cried to him day and night, and he will give them justice speedily. What Jesus is saying is, when I return, will I find people interceding day and night? Will there still be people who believe that when they cry out to the Lord, he will hear and answer? Will I find intercessors 
when I return. You'll remember that not long after this, the Lord Jesus said, stay here and pray a while. I'm going to go over here and pray. And every time they fell asleep. The Lord wishes for you to pray. Remember the parable of the persistent widow who keeps bothering the judge? And in the uh, Holman Christian Standard, I believe it says, I need to answer this woman lest she keep on attacking me. (laughs) She's bothering me all the time, so I'm going to give her justice. And Jesus says, if the Lord will do this, if if the unjust judge will answer the cries of the widow, how much more will the just judge answer the cries of those he loves? And just so you know, each time in these parables, the thing that is being asked for is justice. So we are to pray for justice. We are to pray for mercy. And we are to pray for grace. The list of things that we can intercede for is long. Lord, bring swift justice or swift repentance. One of the two. We are, as I said, a royal priesthood. A chosen people. You are a royal priesthood of God. What did the priests in the Old Testament do? They interceded on behalf of Israel. I can give you a bunch of examples. I'll give you one. Remember Aaron was the high priest? Children of Israel sinned against God and the plague broke out on them and they were dying. And Moses said, hurry up and light the censure of offering and run through the camp to the people and get to the tent of meeting before the Lord's hand breaks out against all the people and everyone perishes. And so Aaron runs through the camp with the censure of incense and puts it on the altar before God and it stops the plague. That's not the only time. (laughs) Moses did his bit too. He was a priest. He was of the order of Levi. He interceded for people. God was going to kill them all. Moses was up on the mountain receiving the commandments of God. The people at the bottom of the mountain had made for themselves a golden calf and were having a big party. And the Lord said, Moses, you're not going to believe this. You haven't even been up here 40 days. And the people have apostatized. They're worshiping a golden calf. Hang out here just for a minute. I'm going to go down the mountain and I'm going to kill everybody. And after I kill all these disobedient, stubborn people, I'm going to raise up a people after you and make a new nation after Moses. Why did God tell Moses that? Moses falls on his face before God and says, Lord, don't do that. If you're going to kill them, go ahead and kill me. Because what will happen back there in Egypt when they hear, the Lord delivered them from the land of Egypt, but he was not able to take them into the promised land. And so he killed them there in the desert. Lord, don't do it. Blot my name out also. And the Lord relented from the fierce anger which he had against his people because Moses got on his face before God. That is you. Your job as a royal priesthood is to get on your face before God and pray for people. You have been invited to draw near and to pray effectively, both for yourself and for others. And the consequences of this are unknown. You have no idea how much your prayers make a difference. No idea how much your intercession makes a difference. You are the inheritors of Abraham's promise. You are the sons and daughters of God. And you can go into the throne room of grace and pray. So let the words of Jesus fall on your ears and heart to make you tremble. When he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Are you one of those?
who have lost faith in the power of intercession. Do we think that it will no longer matter? Do you look at the world and what is happening, not only in our country, but also around the world, and feel despair? Hopelessness. We're lost. Nothing will change. The wicked rule and the righteous suffer. If that's what you think, then stop walking away. Stand still before the Lord. Draw near to Him. Fall on your face and say, God have mercy. That's what Daniel did. That's what Ezra did. Daniel was a great man of God. We never see him really do anything wrong in the whole book of Daniel. I know he did. It's not mentioned. But when he falls on his face in intercessory prayer for his people, he says, Lord, we have sinned. Brothers and sisters, you are an intercessor. And an intercessor intercedes. Pray. Not just taking my word for it. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Now, if you ask him for a stone, he's not going to give you a stone when you need bread. But he will answer your prayers. And he will change you through your prayers. You will ask him for things and he will change your heart. You will hope for one thing and he will give you another. You'll see that God's greater than even your own heart. He will do things more than you ask or imagine. Even when he says no, you should be tickled. Because that means his yes is better than whatever you ask for. When he says, no, I'm not giving you that because what I've got is better than what you're asking for. I'm not doing this because that's worse. You lack the imagination that I have for you and for those you are praying for and for the world around you. So when you feel the despair, the sadness, the darkness that the Lord has allowed you to see, when you feel like the world has gone to pot, remember there is an entire book called The Lamentations. And you can lament. You can cry out. You can say, Lord, why do the wicked prosper while the righteous perish? Why have you swept away the righteous with the wicked? What is going on? Why did the nations not know that your name is great? Why have you allowed, you allowed your people to be killed and run off? Why do they not have a witness there? Why can the nations not hear about Jesus? We don't have the power to do this. You have the power to do this. Why don't you send revival? Why don't people know about Jesus? Why aren't people being saved? What are you doing? That's how you talk to the Lord. He will answer you. He has been answering you. He knows what's in your heart. Jesus says he knows what is in your heart before it comes out of your mouth. And yet he says, come here close. Talk to me, and I will hear you from heaven, and I will answer my people. You've been distracted. That's what's wrong. You've picked the wrong identity. You forgot whose you are. You didn't just forget who you are. You forgot whose you are. 
Now remember. And wake up. And Christ will shine on you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.